0: Hi folks and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. We have some news. We are going live in Ballymun in the Axis Theatre. I cannot wait. It is the weekend, Friday the 18th of November and Saturday the 19th of November. Two nights. Tickets are available right now on eventbrite.ie. So go to eventbrite.ie, throw in Tortoise Shack live. You will get it. You will see us there. It's hashtag get it done Ballymun. We hope to see lots of you there and we have brilliant lineups both nights, different shows both nights, excellent guests and I'm really looking forward to it. Again it's eventbrite.ie, tickets are on sale right now, get them before they are gone. I won't delay any further, this is the conversation I had with Human Rights Watch, Tara Safiri, far on events in Iran and the protests that are ongoing. It's a really important listen and that's why we've lifted the paywall as quickly as we have. Please give it a listen. Hello and welcome to the Echo Chamber podcast. My name is Tony Groves, and this is episode 902 of the Echo Chamber podcast. Uh, and it's been done at short notice and for good reason. Uh, we have been looking to speak to people around the situation that has been developing in Iran since the 16th of September. Longtime listeners will know we've covered the events in Iran uh, with with various other guests, but some of the things we've found the last couple of weeks have been very difficult because people are afraid to speak out. People in different parts of the world, people indeed in, in Dublin have said to me when we post things on social media, not to tag them because they're afraid who might be watching. And it's kind of scary when these are people who have been, you know, we've known, who have, have contributed to platforms and media before. And now we see that this, this has kind of had a chilling effect on some of the coverage. So. It's with, with that in mind that I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by uh, Tara, Tara Saperi-Farr, who she is the Middle East and, and North Africa Division researcher with Human Rights Watch. She's also um, contributed to their most recent report into the events since the 16th of September. Tara, thank you for talking to me. I really appreciate it.
1: A pleasure to be here with you if
0: like let's assume some people listening to this have been have been living under a rock since the 16th of september do you want to just give um a, a rundown of the events as 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 told in the report that you've put together for human rights watch uh, if if that's okay with you
1: sure and if that's okay with you i'm going to take the date back a few days back please do um when Jina uh, amini a 22 year old Kurdish woman was arrested by Iran's morality police in Tehran, um, where she was visiting her aunt with her brother. Um, The news of her arrest um, reached uh, media the day after. And what we found out was that uh, Mahsa Jina, her Kurdish name, um, was arrested by the police on that day, and only two hours after was taken to a hospital in Tehran, unconscious, in coma. That absolutely shook uh, social media activists, human rights defenders, and domestic media. How can a 22-year-old woman be arrested and and, and end up in a coma in a police station? Uh, According to her brother at the time, he was waiting outside the police station when he heard about the news, um, authorities reacted quickly to the news and claimed that she had suffered, um, from, um, a seizure and she was taken immediately to a hospital and maintained that no physical interaction, um, occurred between her and authorities. Um, something that the family does not believe and insist on independent investigation to find out exactly what happened to Massa. Massa died on on September sixteenth at a hospital in Tehran. She was buried in her hometown um, the day after. Um, someone there was a Kurdish. There was a handwritten note um, in Kurdish mm. on her grave that said. Gina, Gina John, you're not going to die. Your name will become a symbol. That day, people in her hometown started protesting her death and demanded accountability. That spread very quickly to dozens and dozens of cities across Iran with people demanding accountability for her death and an end to compulsory hijab laws in Iran that violates women's rights and their right to choose what they want to wear. Um, We have seen widespread protests in Iran over the past four years. Several of those have been sparked by economic grievances that have quickly turned into um, broader expression of grievances against government corruption as well as the autocratic nature and the repression um of um of civil and pro- civil and political rights that we see. This one, this round was kind of unique because I don't recall any other um any other wave of protest this widespread and unique in support of women's rights. And we saw, and I'm I'm sure some, many of your um, many of people within your audience have also saw photos of women taking the center stage, um, showing very brave acts of defiance, taking their their headscarf off, burning them um, in protest, and also ch- ch- chanting
0: against the the leader H- Hamani, Which is you know that is f- phenomenal scenes to be honest with you. Like
1: yes, like- and very as, as as you mentioned, very quickly calling out the core 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 of the system, they very well understood and I agree with them that this this the case of Jinnah was not an isolated incident of negligence or, or misconduct. It is connected to the broader context of both the compulsory hijab laws as well as the the, the autocratic nature of the Iranian Iranian government and how they have been repressing rights and there's been a, a very long-standing record of impunity. Hmm. They did not trust authorities to, to conduct independent um investigation.
0: And still don't.
1: <laughs> still don't, um, for, for right reasons. Um, authorities um unfortunately and sadly predictably responded to protest with um with excessive and lethal um force. What our research uncovered is was numerous instances of security forces from different parts of this Iran security security apparatus using um using various range of weapons um with um with quote unquote less lethal or lethal um lethal ammunitions against protesters. Um we have verified videos we have spoken to eyewitnesses who saw um who saw um, security forces opening fire or pointing weapons at protesters who did not pose any threat to them. Um, we have compiled the names, um, for some 47 names that have been reported by human rights groups and, and media as being killed during the protest. But we believe that the true number is definitely higher.
0: Can, um, I, just, I also want to comment on that, and, and I sure. think the report is there and I will, will link to it in, in the podcast. So listeners, please, ha- you can read it while we're, while you're listening to this discussion. But one other thing that's been interesting, that number that you said there and how we know it's higher. Let's tell the truth here, because I, I, I've spoken to people who said there's a 35 journalists who have been out of people can't contact. I'm going to interrupt your podcast
2: right there. And the reason I'm going to interrupt it is to tell you a bit about the tortoise shack. The tortoise shack was set up five years ago and we've done over 900 podcasts on the Echo Chamber podcast alone and there are other podcasts on our platform and you're probably listening to one of those podcasts now, either Reboot or one of the other great podcasts on our platform. We only survive by having patrons. And I understand it's difficult for everybody at the moment, everybody's feeling the pinch, but if you want to know why you're feeling the pinch and understand the reasons behind why you're feeling the pinch, well then the tortoise shack is the source for you. Now there are people listening to this who can afford to be patrons, so please sign up and become a patron. Remember, the tortoise shack survives on patrons alone. Pay it forward, let those who can't afford to listen to it listen to it on your dime that's what this is all about informing people making sure they know why they are where they are and how to to solve these situations and make things better for everybody thanks for listening i'm going to let you go back to your podcast now
0: uh whether so how do you want to phrase that have they disappeared are they are they being detained and they're just the ones that we can talk about
1: so while author- authorities were cracking down on protests, but at the same time, they went on a full-on crackdown against activists, human rights defenders, and journalists, arresting them. Outs, many, majority of them, I would say, outside the context of protests for simply peaceful activism, or in the case of journalists for doing their job. Two of the journalists who've been arrested, two female journalists who've been arrested, are the ones who play the critical role in reporting about the story of Masa Amini in official papers, in, not official, in, in papers with pr- permit in Iran. Mm. So they were doing nothing but their job and they were doing it with all necessary permits required. Still, when authorities were faced with public outrage, they embarked on arresting members of civil society and journalists. They arrested a person who sang a song based on tweets that people were were sending, why they are in the street and why they're protesting.
0: Yeah, He has been
1: released on bail since, but it's outrageous that someone who just sang a song Ba- based on people's tweets, has been arrested.
0: It, can I uh, to come back as well to the the idea of this protest being different than what you've seen in the past? It's been put um, quite eloquently by by other people who who are more familiar. Like, I mean, you you're very familiar, obviously, uh, a graduate of Tehran. Uh, uh, but but I just I think it's people said that this is kind of the third generation of women now who have felt that this is the unfinished um revolution for, for 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 women can you put any context on that or do you how do you see that that maybe is what is playing out in front of our eyes
1: so w- women's um opposition to compulsory hijab laws started the, the day that those laws were proposed the first protest happened in march of um 1979 actually um so women have been pushing back on these laws, um, collectively and individually through any act of resistance that they could. I would like to note that at, at the time that women opposed the compulsory job laws right after the revolution, they didn't get any support from political parties. Even the progressive political parties considered the goals of the revolution more important than, than a piece of cloth that was going to be imposed on women. Um, but I think, the history proves that they had a point. Um, the political forces that try to control women's bodies and their choice end up controlling all aspects of public public and private life as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so for the past 40 years, women have been pushing back on, on this. Um, but I would say um, over the past 10 years or so, the topic of compulsory hijab has taken a more prominent space in the political debate. And... and uh, and when I was in Iran 15 years ago, the conversation was very much around changing laws and discriminatory laws, talking about personal status laws, unequal access to public space, so on and so forth. But I think as generations uh, generations under under the Islamic Republic have their lived experience, they're, they're, they have been able to connect their social and individual freedoms very well to the political context. And um and they correctly understand the choice to choose what they wear as part of the broader discriminatory framework that is imposed on them. And that's why you see. And you have seen iconic images of women anywhere from age 60 and 70 to schoolgirls these days being united in calling out um authorities for violating their rights. So it's just kind of coming all together um in various forms, expressing the same thing in their own language. But I think the new generation understands individual freedom um as very much connected to the political context. They're not, they're not framing it in um in big political ideas they are very much taking their individual agency as a symbol um, and going out and and asking it but they understand it's connected uh, and, to the political
0: structure and is it fair to say that previous to other times where this has come to the to the surface and 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 there's been no outcry that there's been more support public support more support across the sexes, more support from younger men than than, than usual. Or, or am I just imagining it from some of the videos I've been watching?
1: No, for sure. I mean, there was a there was a demonstration um, uh, in support of the demands of um, the campaign for one million signature, which intended to change the discriminatory laws in Iran in two thousand five in a public square in Tehran. And um, there were a handful of women's rights defenders and very few male activists who accompanied them. Um, from there. Seeing um, young men also joining and, and supporting their women in their cause, but also calling out for the, as we said, political, the, the greater political grievances. Um, but also understanding the, the connection between women's rights and political repression, I, I think is, is, is definitely, um, new and, and, and as I, for one, really hope that no matter what happens this can move the conversation i think it has moved the conversation on compulsory job forward and i hope this also moves the conversation on on gender equality not just at the political discourse but also at the societal level uh forward as well
0: just the the other thing that strikes me about about watching it from a distance is obviously the i'm gonna use the word regime is talking about you know uh interference from other nations you know this is and this is and I hate to say it, there's always interference from other nations and other countries, no matter where you look, whatever whatever side of the geopolitical divide, there's always going to be that. Is that red herring, though, getting any traction based on some of the, the people that you guys have spoken to or, or people seeing through that, that that's just another power for the course?
1: I mean, that's kind of their to-go argument no matter what. And I think this time they have gotten less support. I've never seen the, the sympathy for... Um, for the call to abolish the abusive mol- morality police and, and compel, like this, this loud and this broad among different segments of the society. Um, and I think the way they respond to the protests also um, only uh, indicates that, that they're, they're not trusted in, in conducting fair and transparent investigations. So they can, they, they do look for any excuse to blame foreign actors, but I think this time it, they're even having a more difficult time selling that to the general public has become more and more skeptical when they see the real grievances. This, the, the, the faith of Massa is understood as a systemic issue in the society. So are political forces abroad or Foreign government trying to take advantage of it? Probably, but that's not what the well, public. That, that, that's what they do. Like,
0: yeah, yeah. No, but I, I always find that quite funny because it's, you know, it, there's always that interference in all in all spheres. I mean, we can talk about, uh, I was talking. Uh, yesterday morning with a, a brilliant um, tax expert in Brazil who talks about how foreign governments are extracting money from through illicit financial oh. flows it's these are this is you know unfortunately this is some of the things that 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 happen the 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 only thing i suppose to to bring this to a close and thank you again for your patience and and give me the time the what are you guys calling on from the international community what what response do you think uh, should should be from the international community
1: I mean, I think we very well understand the double standards of international community. We, we, we work on 100 countries around the world and, and the double standards that are pointed out by some activists or the Iranian government are very transparent to us. I'm not going to try to argue that the, the, the United States government is principled when it comes to allies and adversaries in enforcing human rights principles. That's that I, I, I agree with that. But I do think In situations like this, there is a need for principled, coordinated international pressure on Iran to first and foremost stop, um, stop using force against protesters and be bring, um, bring those responsible for these atrocities accountable. How could, how this could be done? It should be done through, um, our best alternatives available that can communicate the collective will of international communities through united nation or through broad coalition that um that doesn't only include um include western or global north so i very much would like to see um muslim majority communities progressive activists that are vocal in calling out double standards or or plight of minority minorities in other countries to join the call and and create a coalition um, in support of women's rights that i think is is something that we all agree is essential I and think, also the rights of peaceful protesters to express themselves and have the right to um to um to change their their fate and their course the way they want as opposed to anything that they run in government would try to frame as foreign interference
0: i think i think you've summed it up really well that there is an onus onus on this but it's not it's it you know changes it, look this is this is a grassroots change and that's where i'd like to think change does come from it's not always top down it's never seldom top down. In fact, it comes from the bottom up and this is the way it goes. But I, I suppose if there's anything else message to take away from this while the crackdown has been brutal, I suppose, in, in many ways, we, it's unknown once the idea now that the, the old expression, the toothpaste is out of the tube now and it's not coming back in. And hopefully now that 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 it will that that that's the the beginning of an end of a theocracy, whatever phraseology you want to use on, on the, on the regime, you know, there is a theocracy element to it. Can I just to, just to finish the ongoing crackdown on media, on social media, you guys pick up that, um that it's, it's still that they can't control that. There's still out there. People are tweeting. People are able to communicate in ways that they couldn't. And at least if nothing else, that that genie is out of the bottle, and it's not going back in.
1: This has been a, a, an ongoing battle ever since internet was brought to Iran, with authorities going in different tactics and ways to to constrain it, to block it, to not let people to use it, and activists trying to get around and use it. They've gone through various versions. of have tried to block apps. They've tried, arrested people. Now they're they're getting much more sophisticated in implementing targeted internet shutdowns while keeping their national networks operational so banks can, can operate and pizzas can be delivered. Um, but Iranian um, users are very eager to stay on social media and, and communicate with each other. So while the, the main responsibility is on the Iranian government in, in their crackdown, we're also... Um, calling particularly on the U.S. government to make sure that the sang- economic, broad economic sanctions that have been imposed on Iran don't have an impact on, in, on Iranian users access to internet. And we are asking them to, to do active outreach to tech companies to make sure that they could do everything in their power to provide a, as much support as possible to keep Iranian, um, Iranians online in a safe, Way so they can express and spread their message as opposed to us trying to to interpret what they want
0: yeah I Tarissa ha far thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today I really appreciate it um look look folks we will continue to try and monitor this but please do make sure that you add your voice where you can let people know I, I we've we've circulated some of the um calls from the Iranian community in, in Ireland. And, you know, just, just, just make sure that, that we're, we're keeping an eye on, and also, Tara's 100% 100% correct that that you know this is this is now not just about uh, the, this particular the hijab this is a generational long um, struggle but it starts there and we've seen it we only have to look back in our own dark history to see how the treatment of women is left an awful legacy and a stain on our own country so please 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 if you can raise your voice let let, you, let our diplomats and our TDs and our government rep- people know that we want them to call for you action that international calls for At at the very least, respect for the right to protest at the very least. Thank you so much for talking to me today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you for having me. Tony
2: and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.